Hey listeners, this is your host Tessa Dare, just letting you know we have a short message for you before the podcast begins. We would like to dedicate this episode and the whole first season of our podcast to our friend Maria Blasi, who is Tessa's best friend's mother and who we lost just a few months ago. Maria was very much in the world and in our lives when we recorded this episode, and she is mentioned here. She was so supportive of both Tess and Marguerite, and she was a woman who mentored other women. We know she would have loved this podcast. We miss her and send our love to Marguerite, Gary, and Alex. Tessa Dare, author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles, and a daughter. And I am Beth Von Baron, a freelance writer and author of the upcoming novel The Askerts Cafe. And I'm a mom, and I don't have my coffee with me today, but I do have a cup of water and a coffee mug, so I'm going to pretend. All right, I do have coffee. Uh, and this is Where You Lead, a podcast where we, a real life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. Fictional mother and daughter who drink a lot of coffee. So today's episode is The Lorelai's First Day at Chilton. So I'm going to give a brief summary of the episode, and then we'll dig into it. They start off with Rory's first day at Chilton, and Mom Lorelai is late. She sets her alarm. We don't get an explanation as to why it doesn't go off, but it doesn't go off. They're running late. She ends up taking Rory to school, dressed as somebody right out of the Dukes of Hazard. They literally use that reference in the show. She's got a short top on, short shirts, and cowboy boots. So they have a meeting with the headmaster. Her mother is there, Emily. And they get through that. And then uh, Rory starts her day. I want to call her Lorelai all the time. So I start saying Lorelai. You're not wrong. I know. Her name is Lorelai. That's why it's called the Lorelai's first day at Chilton. So Rory starts her, her academic day at Chilton. And her mom goes and picks, goes back to town. Picks up her, her laundry, and that's the whole reason for why she she didn't have anything decent to wear. She picks up her laundry, she goes into town, and there's some other things that happen. She finds that there's a cable guy at her house trying to set up DSL because her mother has paid to have that installed. Yes, I have um, a note about him. Yeah, and they go back and forth between Rory at school. She meets with the headmaster who sets up some expectations for her, and then Lorelai goes back to town. Then we cut back to Rory at school, and she meets new people. And then we cut back to Lorelai at work in her world. Mm-hmm. And there's also a new a couple of new characters introduced. Paris is introduced. And there's a dad whose name I don't think we ever get, but he's a dad of... I think it's Jack. Jack, yeah, yeah. And he's a dad of Julia, maybe? I don't remember. But yes. He's a dad... Who, n- who never materializes. I don't think we ever see her daughter. We don't see her. <laughs> and I don't his think daughter. He, he shows up much uh, into the future either. They also introduce Mick, who is... Is it Mick or Nick? Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> his... <laughs> His name in this episode is Mick. This actor is going to continue to show up on the show. This is the only episode where his name is Mick. What is his name in future episodes? 
It's Nick, right? Kirk. Kirk. It's Kirk. Kirk. How could I forget Kirk? So, yeah, he's going to be in it. He shows up in a lot of oh, wait, future episodes. Wait, is it episodes. Kirk? Hold on. I might actually be wrong. No, it's Kirk. It's, it's Kirk. Kirk. I, I can never remember if it's Kirk or Kurt, but it's Kirk. Like, like Captain Kirk. Like Captain His name Kirk. Is Kirk. Okay. All right. So, uh, they also introduced Sally Struthers' character. I don't remember what her character's name is. Do you? Is that Babette? Yes. Babette. Is she the neighbor? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's the one that finds the, the DSL guys at the door. Sally Struthers yes. is a famous and groundbreaking actress from the early 70s she was in what's the name of that show <laughs> she was in it'll come to me anyway i don't know but she's she's very short and she has a very tall husband is that her was her husband with her in that scene yeah he's he's with her on okay. the lawn all in the family i knew if i just paused my brain for a few seconds i'd come up that she it. plays gloria in all, all in the family so she's one of the four main characters oh. Uh, yeah, she's yes, famous actress. So, and I think that's a summary, pretty much. You have anything okay. to add to the summary? Well, I would, I would basically just say that I think this episode structurally serves as like a second pilot, which I think was a common thing in TV at the time. You would often have your second episode uh, essentially serve as a second pilot. And what I mean by that is it reintroduces you to all of the characters. So if you missed the pilot but caught on for the second week, then you could join on the second week and you would still pretty much get a rundown of who everyone is is yeah in a sense the actual pilot almost serves as like a prologue because it's kind of before everything is set up the way that it's going to be set up Mm. this episode is much more similar to a regular episode of the series where the structure is it cuts between rory's day at school and lorelei's day in the town Mm -hmm. which is loosely how a lot of the episodes are structured that's exactly how it's gonna go back and forth yeah i think in terms of I, you know, it's it's it, this is a show where it's kind of hard to point out exactly what the important things are because sometimes the important things are the mundane things. Like my summary would include mentions of Miss Patty, even though Miss Patty's moments are short and fleeting. To me, she's the funniest person in this episode, <laughs> and she's kind of emblematic of the town. She's you know she's the town gossip, and she's often like the way that they usually film her is she's standing in front of her ballet studio yelling at children that we can only sort of see and quipping at anyone who passes by and she's often kind of the stand-in for just the whole town you know we 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 see a view of the town we all almost always see miss patty and i do just want to reiterate her quote because it's so good when rory walks by her she's talking to her girls her her ballerinas and she says visualize ladies it's a Thanksgiving Day parade. You're standing on Fifth Avenue. There's a hundred beautiful boys marching in place behind you, and there you are. You're out in front with your fabulous legs and your perfect tush. Your baton is on fire. The crowd goes nuts. Okay, cookie time. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Just like that. She, and she's always standing at the door, so she's always kind of yes. looking out at the town, and so she's kind of like mm-hmm. that on on the precipice between the town and inside the um but i think the funniest scene or the funniest line i guess is michelle's when oh, when the gentleman too. caller shows up at the at the uh at the end and she yeah. says she doesn't know who he, who who's there but he says there's somebody here for you she said this is my mom because she's already had to deal with her mom several times during this episode she says is it my mom yes. he says it's possible and then she walks out and sees it's the guy and she looks at him and he said there's a resemblance <laughs> Yeah, that that line was also good. Yeah, yeah. The, the other through lines, one of the big through lines of this episode is that Emily, the grandmother, Emily Gilmore, keeps trying to interfere. Mm. 
So in the first scene, right after the uh, theme song, Lorelai and Rory show up at school. And when they enter the headmaster's office with Lorelai trying to hide her Daisy Duke outfit under a coat, they are both surprised to see that Emily is already there. She has shown up at the office. She claims at first that she showed up to wish Rory luck on her first day, but it very quickly becomes apparent that she's actually there to remind the headmaster that Rory does actually come from an old money family. Mm -hmm. She actually literally says to Lorelai at the end of that scene that she wanted him to know that Rory was a Gilmore. And, you know, I, I do think that there is... I understand why she did it, but I also think it was almost pointless because basically the scene that we get right after that between just the headmaster and Rory he basically says to Rory I don't care that you're a Gilmore you have to succeed here on your own merits which is something that Emily doesn't always get I think that's one of the points of that scene but I was trying to figure out who is she trying to impress here the headmaster or her daughter See all the people mm. I know. See all the contacts, you could, the connections you could have had if you had mm-hmm. lived the life we wanted you to live. So there, there's that going on. And then in utter contrast to that is Lorelai sitting there in her Daisy Duke outfit with the short top. Yes. And the, and the cutoff, not just short shorts, cutoff short shorts, literally Daisy, and, and the boots. And then, she, oh, and then she has to take her coat off. So they make a big deal of her taking her coat off. And the thing about, yeah. the thing about Lorelai is... Is she is good on her feet. She is really good on her yes. feet. She usually comes back. She has good comebacks. She can cover her mistakes. And in this scene, she doesn't do that. And I find that out of character. She lets them talk her into humili- humiliating herself by taking the coat off. I don't see how she lets them do that except for the fact that her mother's there and it's like too much. Her mother's there. The headmaster's there. She feels really bad about having overslept and not having picked up her laundry from the dry cleaners. Yeah. And she had all these plans. She was going to get up early, pick up her laundry, take a shower, make sure she, she looked good. And later in the day, she does. She's in her professional suit later in the day and she says to, I think to, to Suki at one point, don't I look good she says yes and she's mm-hmm. this is the way i was yes. supposed to look this morning so it's yeah it's a very interesting scene in the headmaster's office it is and i do think it's because her mom is there mm-hmm. i mean i think it's also i think she's frazzled because she overslept but i think yeah. there's as 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 we may see as the series goes on there is kind of a recurring theme of emily gilmore can just get under lorelei's skin in a way that no one else can Nobody literally else just can. her presence does yeah. it and back up just a second here to the previous scene was she walks into the office and the headmaster's secretary is the stereotype epitome of you know she she looks like the wicked witch of the west yes <laughs> she's got this old maid vibe going on yeah. you know very very prudish and just prim and very big contrast to Lorelai and her Daisy Duke yeah. outfit <laughs> Yeah, and 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 also her her general youth. You know, she is young for being a mom, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think both she and both of the Lorelai's have a little taken aback moment when this woman looks up at them. I think they they were not. Yeah. I, I you I think I think you could argue that there's a little bit of ageism going on, but I think it's also they just were maybe not expecting to see such a stereotype show up. Yes. 
It's startling to them as it is. To, it's a it's a visual stereotype, so it's visually yes. startling to to all of us. Yeah, we did breeze past this. I just want to touch on it briefly. I don't have much to say about it, but the cold open scene before the theme song starts is mm. Lorelai painting Rory's toenails. Yeah. Um, specifically, she gets through half of it, and then Lane shows up with a new CD that I had never heard of before. It's a band called XTC. Yeah. The CD is or the album is called apple venus volume two yeah i did look up the band and based on what the sound of the first song on that album sounds like i do think that the song that plays is from that band it sounds like it's the same yeah it did to me too yeah i have nothing really to say about this band in particular i i, I don't know if that makes me a musical ignoramus um no. but i will Ex- say that it's an ecstasy was a ecstasy i guess was a, a flash in the pan i mean they were um, okay. They were kind of came and went, I think, in the 80s. Um, oh, interesting. And the main singer, his name I can't remember. It seems like his first name is David, but I'm not sure. But anyway, they they were just, uh, I want to say, Conkney Wave out of that era. era oh, okay. Which is so... Well, that that does track with Lane, because Lane really yes. likes a lot of yes. Conkney Wave stuff. But what's interesting also to me about that opening scene is the night before school starts, she's painting her toes yeah. with polish red polish she makes comments about it and I'm, I'm i'm immediately thrown back to the pilot episode where they're painting their nails in class and that yes we've kind of we talked like in uh, in our first episode about how that was a stereotypical girl thing to do and here the gilmore girls are doing it too so it's kind yeah. of an interesting continuity thing <laughs> although they don't finish they are no, uh they get excited and by, by the music by music and distracted and go <laughs> dance and you can see them once they they run inside it's a one-shot thing you know the camera stays on the front porch yes and you can see them run in and they're dancing uh inside and yeah and that scene also serves again with the the kind of second pilot thing happening it's a reintroduction to lane because mm-hmm. arguably lane's most important characteristic is that girl loves music she loves music now I she and uh, Lorelai both love this band, so it tracks yes. with Lorelai's age and with, yeah. with Lane's love of music. Yeah, and Lorelai also loves music. It, it like they they go to at least a couple of concerts throughout the show, and of course, you know there was the first episode discussion of Macy Gray, so mm-hmm. it, it does track mm-hmm. with Lorelai's personality too. Uh, it's more just you know Lane Lane regularly shows up yelling about the new music that she's got. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know the other thing about this scene when it ends, switching to the next scene. I'm sorry, when they're leaving school, she comes out yeah. and she's talking to her mom, Emily. Lorelai is, and Emily's criticizing her about her outfit, and and Lorelai has a lot of one-liners. She's very witty, but so is her mom. And it's she when her mother gets ready to leave, she says, "Don't forget dinner Friday night. No spurs, please." So, and that's a reference to the boots <laughs> that she that she's wearing. Yeah. There's a lot of layers here, and all three of these. So the Gilmore girls aren't just Lorelai and Rory. Emily is one of the Gilmore girls too. There's three of them. Yeah. And there's like a parallel between all three that that keeps coming up. They all share a, a lot of things, you know. And it's just uh, and that's one of them. Their witticisms. So. Yeah. The quick witted. Yeah. I I will say, I think that Lorelai's outfit works really well dramatically. So she's she's wearing a pink sort of tie-dye shirt. I don't know if it's exactly tie-dye, but it's like a tie-dye-esque pattern. Mm-hmm. And then the super short jean shorts, the jorts. And then for some reason, cowboy boots. I, 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 think, I think it works well dramatically and the jokes are very funny, but... 
I have rewatched this episode many times now, and every time I just think, you literally didn't have anything else that didn't need to be dry clean. Oh, I think it's deliberate. <laughs> I think she realizes that, that putting the boots on makes it a very sexy outfit. And even though she's going to keep it covered for the most part, it gives her a little bit of self-confidence going into this very difficult meeting with the headmaster. That she, or going to school, because she didn't think she was going to meet the headmaster. So they, they drive up That's there, true. and Rory drags her in. And I think yeah. she didn't want to do that. So she said, well, you have to put your coat on then. But it does give her a sense of self-confidence that, she, that I think she feels she needs. It's a very sexy, attractive outfit. Not just sexy. She looks good in it, even though her hair is a mess. She still looks pretty good. So, And Lorelai is, is smart, but she's very attractive. And she's competent, but she's not the academic brainiac that her daughter is and that her mother is, I think. But I love it when Rory's in the meeting with the headmaster and she holds her own. You know, he is coming yes. at her with, you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do that. And it's going to be really hard and I expect you to fail. He literally says to her, he expects her to fail. And I mean, he says there's a good chance she will fail. But but she never she never lets him get her down. She she comes back with a couple of witticisms, and it's funny because while he's doing this, you can see that he with just a brief eye lift lids, you know, eyelid lifts, you know, yeah. he, that he appreciates her humor, and although he's saying this to her verbally, he may be doubting his own words. He gives her some credit with his looks, I think. Yeah, I I do. Gosh, let me see what the actor's name is. The character is Headmaster Charleston. Here we go. Hanlon Charleston, played by, oh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Dakin Matthews or Dakin Matthews? I'm going to go with Dakin Matthews. D-A-K-I-N. I would say Dakin, yeah. Yeah, Dakin Matthews. He does a great job in this role. He's a very familiar character actor. I've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah. But yeah, he he does a great job in this role. I, yeah, the, the, I, I I love this scene, the scene between Rory and the headmaster. Uh, again, I do think it's one of those. It's fantastic dramatically. Now, so my own personal experience with private school was not necessarily the standard experience of private school. I do think Chilton, the private school that she's going to, is meant to be a very particular kind of private school. It's like an East Coast super elite school. Very Yeah, where I think this attitude, I'm not so sure how realistic it is that a headmaster would literally speak this way to a student, but I do think that the the things that he says to her are emblematic of the attitude at this kind of school. Mm -hmm. The attitude is, we're going to be really hard, we're going to be uncompromising, and either you're good enough or you get kicked out. Mm -hmm. Because that is kind of what he he kind of implies at the end. He says, uh, failure is a part of life, but it's not a part of Chilton. The implication being, I expect you to fail, and if you fail, we're kicking you out. (laughs) There is no forgiveness here. That was definitely not my experience at private school. And I do want to be clear, I went to a private school that was very competitive. One thing that we did do that I think would probably fit right in at Chilton is um, at at the end of every quarter, everyone's grades were posted in the main entrance hall. Um, I had forgotten that, that you're right. Well, interestingly enough, I know for a fact that my school has ceased to do that. That that policy is no longer happening at that school, which, you know, everyone my age is very upset about. Because (laughs) if we had to deal with that, then everyone should. (laughs) I mean, I I will say, you know, if, if I can separate my own feelings from it for a moment, I do think that it's probably better not to do that sort of a it thing. I, I think the kids are under enough pressure as it is. But I will also say that there was a kind of 
to a certain extent, I felt at the time that the experience of having our grades posted like that actually fostered a sense of community because everyone kind of knew where everyone stood and we were also sort of all humiliated at once, you know? (laughs) Some people had worse grades than others, so I wouldn't say that it was like, you know, a totally even-handed thing, but I do think that to a certain extent, the brutality of that maybe almost kept us from being more brutal to each other. Yeah, it was a very supportive thing. I remember you talking uh, several times about being supportive of other students who weren't doing well or who weren't who needed help. Yeah. There was definitely, I think that, I think that was the reasoning behind it. So everybody could yeah. see who needed help. And, and I think that was really important. I, I will say that the two, the scenes at the school, other than with the dad, they do meet the dad and they flirt, which is a little yes. disruptive. And, and, you know, again, it's like, there's a recurring theme throughout the show where Lorelai has said, I always give in to guys. I let them overwhelm me. And, mm-hmm. and here she is on her daughter's first day when she's already late flirting with the dude. Mm-hmm. But aside from that scene, all of the scenes at Chilton put me on edge. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about you, you and me and the mother-daughter thing and how we relate to the Gilmore Girls. But when they cut to Lorelai with her, back in the town, having picked up her dry cleaning, stopping in at Luke's to get coffee, I literally sighed in relief because yeah. I, I do not handle, I'm definitely Lorelai, and you were definitely worried because I, I don't know <laughs> that I could have handled the pressure of that private school as well as Rory does. I mean, she handles it. This yeah. is just a, the, the, her, her interaction with the headmaster is foreshadowing. She handles everything yeah. really well at the school. She, she does not fail. She works overtime yeah. to make sure that even though she's a month late getting into school and starting classes, she is not going to fail. And she does it. And you did the same thing. And we do see a little bit of that. We should talk about Paris in a second, but we do see a little bit of that where the last scene of her in class, she actually answers a couple of the teacher's questions, mm-hmm. even though she hasn't been in class up until which that tells point. us that she could have answered any of the teachers questions up to then but chose not to uh, and i'll get to that in a second i do just want to say my kind of final note on her meeting with the headmaster again i you know I, I think it's a good scene dramatically and i suspect that something like that was probably more likely at that particular kind of school my experience at private school though there were things about it that were really competitive i don't think any teacher would have spoken to a student that way yeah i think a lot of the times the scenes with that guy I'm I'm a little shocked at how willing he is to be so brutal with her to her face. Mm-hmm. He's also quite openly classist. Uh, she says that she wants to be Christian Amanpour, which, you know, I think under most circumstances, I think most adults would be like, oh my God, you know who Christian Amanpour is? You're 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know who that was until I went to college. <laughs> but his response was, oh, you want to be on TV like Oprah, which first of all, okay, I, I understand why he's poo-pooing someone just wanting to be on TV. But I will just say, there ain't nothing wrong with wanting to be Oprah, okay? <laughs> there isn't, but there's really nothing wrong with wanting to be Christian Amanpour, who is one of the most respected journalists ever. She's in the Edward True. R. Murrow School of Journalism. She, she is... She's the real deal. She's an intellect. She's a highly educated woman. She happened to land on television. But she she is... She could have been a documentary filmmaker. She's written books. As I say, she could have been a writer. She's written books. Yeah. She is a fundamentally well-respected journalist. Probably one of the most well-respected yeah. journalists out there today. And I can't tell in their interaction if the headmaster knows that 
or if he's just trying to get her to think through what her answer was. It's hard to tell. I don't know that he comes off well later in the show, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he goes back and forth. I do think he's just trying to push her, and I think he's trying to make sure that she's not just telling him what she thinks he wants to hear. Uh, And I think he's also, I think to a certain extent, he's trying to assess how shallow she is. I I think that's part of what's happening. I think he has deemed Oprah as a shallow thing, has also more reasonably deemed wanting to be on TV as a shallow thing. Um, Because the other thing he says is, if you just want to be on TV, leading the police in a car chase would be a much faster way to do that. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And you know, Rory is the opposite of shallow. And it's interesting, too, yes. because Lorelai comes off as shallow a lot of times, but she's not. Neither one of them are shallow, and neither is Emily, despite her affluence. But the, the, the contrast in this in this episode between the three women kills me, because Lorelai does not have a clue, really, about how much work is involved at Chilton. Her, the quote I have from her is, she looks so good in her uniform. And Emily... <laughs> yeah. And Emily... For her, it's all about what she can buy for for Rory to get her started. She wants to buy her skirt, and then she wants to buy her car, and then she wants to set up DSL for them. So she she knows how tough Chilton is, but she's so far removed from it that she's just thinking about what she can buy for her granddaughter. So neither one of them truly, I think understand is the right word, but appreciate what Rory is sacrificing to go to this school. Yeah, for sure. The through line with Emily is that she keeps trying, after the first scene, she keeps trying to pay for more things Mm -hmm. as a way of controlling both Lorelai and Rory. The first thing that she jumps on is she wants to buy her a bunch of uniform stuff, which I, it just occurred to me as I was watching this scene, because it's that they're talking on the phone and Emily is just rattling off all of these different Chilton related uniform things that she could buy for for Rory and just the thought that occurred to me was this scene is kind of putting the lie to the idea that wearing a uniform makes everyone more equal equal. Mm -hmm. that's very much not true especially at a school like Chilton the uniform is essentially a further status symbol Mm -hmm. like the uniform itself is a status symbol but on top of that you can buy the monogrammed socks and you can buy all of the different kinds of sweaters and the coat that that, uh, Lorelai eventually agrees to so I, I kind of appreciated that scene from from that just because I feel like I maybe this isn't as much a talking point anymore but I remember when I was around Rory's age this debate about whether it would actually be better for students to be forced to wear uniforms because it evens everybody out because it yeah. you know creates a certain kind of equality and I do think that the theory of creating equality is is a good idea, but I chafed at that idea then, and I chafe at it now. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, I think that kids should be allowed to express themselves, and I think that uniforms prevent that. And secondly, I just don't think it's true that it would actually make everyone equal, as this scene shows. You know, there are maybe ways to avoid some stuff like this, but yeah. I just think this, this scene clearly shows how easily uniforms can be turned into this class symbol that, that shows, you know, who has more wealth and who has less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't think it's a coincidence that this is what Emily is trying to use to use her money to control them. You know, and then of course the the 
Do you really think she's trying to oh, control her? Uh, I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. There's some of that in there. But I think she also just wants to be involved. And she sees, she doesn't know how to be involved because she didn't, she hasn't really had a relationship with her daughter in 16 years. So I, I think. I do think it's both. I think it's both. You think it's both. So I think she also, this is how she sees life is monetarily. Yeah. And but and I when I say that she's trying to control her, I don't think that it's necessarily that conscious. Mm. But I definitely think that's how it feels to Laura. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, she sees it that way. And but I also think she's trying to shake her mom up and get her to not be that person. You know, not mm-hmm. everything has to be about what you can buy. Maybe try yeah. talking to us. You know, and and of course that's. That is behind the Friday night dinner. So she does want to be a and part I think of her lives. From Emily's point of view, I don't think she would see it as she's trying to control them. I think she would see it as she's trying to get them to do things the way they ought to be done. Yes, that's that's point number three. That is absolutely perfect. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of stuff going on in, in, in her behavior. Yeah. All right. And since we're talking about Emily, let's go ahead and talk about the, the DSL scene really fast. So when, after Lorelai shuts down most of the clothes buying, although she does allow her to get the coat, she gets a call at work from the neighbor Babette telling her that, uh, we actually don't hear Babette's side of the conversation, but whatever she says causes Lorelai to come home immediately. And when she does come home, Babette and her husband are both very concerned about the men at her house because they kicked a gnome. How <laughs> dare they <laughs> yep and then we get introduced to mick who is the one who is installing the dsl because emily bought the dsl or paid for the dsl to be installed at their house and interestingly i do think that this is both more intrusive than the outfit stuff but also kind of more sensical yes this was the one where i was like if i were lorelei i would actually agree to this because having a good internet connection is important yes it is very important and at that time the she they probably just had a dial up then which which was crazy. Yeah. And she was going to need the internet. Although at a, at a private school like Chilton, there's a lot heavy reliance on books too. So, so may not yeah. have been that important, but I think it was a buildup for Lorelai at that point. She'd had enough. This was the, yeah. you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for her. And, and, and she the, just the way it. Emily did it was kind of particularly intrusive, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like she she specifically paid for them. She specifically had them come when Lorelai would not be home. And told them where the uh, key to her house was. Yes. I mean, how do you do that? Incorrectly. Incorrectly, but then yeah. they could have gone into the house and taken stuff. I mean, it's just it's, yeah, for it's sure. it, it was a great idea, but the execution was was not good and it was intrusive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that's that's where we see Mick who for the yeah, first so time. I guess this is a minor yeah, this is a minor spoiler, but this actor will return. We, we, I said that earlier, but yeah, this, this actor is a recurring character. And I like to think of him in this episode as a rough draft. This is the rough <laughs> draft of the character he will become. In this one, his name is Mick, a relatively normal name. And he's being a little odd and awkward, but uh, we'll see how how he acts as, as the show progresses. Despite the fact that he seems like kind of a one-off character in this scene this actor will in fact continue and the actor's name is sean gunn mm-hmm. and he's actually the brother of director james gunn the guy who directed guardians of the galaxy mm, 
Okay. And he's been in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So just fun fact about Sean Gunn. He he's also just a, a general like what's what's the word? He, he he's got he's got a long career. He's he's another one of those characters. Oh, he's actors. got a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and it's the same character, but he has a different name later on. And yes. and he has a different job every. I'm getting ahead. I know. I realize that he has a different job every time we see him. So yeah, we we will come back to him, mm-hmm. but uh, in the future he will he will show up again. And we never we never <laughs> right, really so find ahead. out why he's called Mick in the first uh, episode, or if it's even supposed to be the same character. They never really get back to that. Yeah, I'll I'll see if if the showrunners have ever talked about it. A cursory search did not tell me why his name is different in this episode. So we'll, we'll see if we can figure that out and uh, talk about it next time. Now we're, we're moving into so there's there's really three places we go from school to the town to her job. So the next couple of scenes are at her job. And the thing that I wrote down in my notes about these first few scenes when she's back at the inn and she's managing stuff and she's got a lot of different things going on. There's a young guy who who is there. His name is Mm -hmm. Derek. And he provides a great counterpoint to this young, he's he's cute, he's good looking, and he's a great counterpoint to this young, cute, good looking guy at Rory's school who is a jerk. So at least he seems like he's a jerk at this point, and that would be Tristan. Do you mean Tristan? Tristan, who has such an incredibly preppy name, and starts calling Rory Mary. And he calls her yes. that several times, and she gets in the car with her mom later in the day. That's the thing. We'll, we'll get to that and, and later on. He, her mom explains what Mary is. But Tristan and Derek, to me, are like counterpoints. So one is has a preppy name. He's rich. The other one is just, you know, a valet. He works at the inn. He's not rich, and his name is Derek. So the dichotomy between the rich and the regular in the scene with Derek, to me, is astounding. And it actually reminded me today that I read this article about Jeff Bezos and his super yacht that he has built and he cannot get out of the shipyard in whatever country it is. I can't remember now. But yeah, so they're going to dismantle a historic historic bridge. bridge. (laughs) (sighs) And he's going to pay for it because, of course, he can. I mean, he can go to, to the moon if he wants. So, yeah, I know. But that's... But he can't build a yacht that can fit through a bridge. And they, and they knew this. They, they knew that they were, he was building it so big <sighs> that they would have to dismantle this bridge. They knew this four years ago because it takes four years to build these things. I guess if we're talking about class, we might as well talk about Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I put it in my notes because that's what I, I immediately thought of with Tristan and Derek. Uh, I prefer to go my life pretending that he doesn't exist. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> But yeah, super yacht. I mean, I'm I'm sure Tristan is absolutely the kind of guy who would grow up to build a super yacht. Mm-hmm. So I, I I see I see why your mind went. There. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, and then the same. I do want to go ahead. Uh, if we're talking about Tristan, I do just uh, I, I I think I have some insight into Tristan that you probably don't because you weren't a teenager okay. when this show was on. He's played by Chad Michael Murray, who was in every single teen show at this time. <laughs> oh my God, he was in everything. He was a star in what's it called, One Tree Hill. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be able to come up with. Oh, he was he was a recurring character in season five of Dawson's Creek. He dates like half of the girls 
girls on Dawson's Creek. Um, <laughs> he's just, he was one of those teen heartthrob guys. He, he um, definitely so yeah, his, looks like he stepped right out of Dawson's Creek. That's for sure. Yeah. And he, his big show was One Tree Hill, but he was on Dawson's Creek and he was on this show. I feel like there are more than I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. He was probably in a couple of teen movies as well. But yeah, I think, boy, I, I'm not totally sure timeline wise if the moment that he shows up, he would have been well known to most girls watching, but certainly in that time period in general, every girl my age knew who Chad Michael Murray was, whether they wanted to or not. Well, and, <laughs> in, and in, in contrast to that, the actor who plays Derek apparently is so not well known, he doesn't even have a picture on IMDb, just his name, just the actor's name. Oh. Yeah, which I did not write down. So yeah, so he didn't go on to do the same kind of things that Tristan did. So I think your observation is accurate. And I think there's another character that Tristan is meant to be a more long-term foil for. And that is Dean, who who I can uh... mention because he was in the first episode, even though he wasn't in this one. Mm-hmm. But I think Tristan is, I, I, think, I think in these early episodes, Tristan is set up as a foil for Dean, mm-hmm. who is very similar to how you just described Derek. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he lives in Stars Hollow. He's definitely not a rich boy. Not exactly poor, but, you know, working class enough that he needs to get a job at Taylor's, um, Taylor Dozy's market. And he wasn't in this episode, so I won't talk about it too much. But I do think that dynamic is something mm-hmm. we can keep our eye on as the series moves forward. Also, just on a personal note, yes, Chad Michael Murray was a big name at the time. I never quite got it, maybe because this was the first show that I ever saw him in. So to me, he was just a creep from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Creep, borderline sexual harasser. And that's maybe just how he impressed upon me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, he is a creep. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a very attractive young man, so I understand why anyone would be... I mean, not to me personally. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to me, he's a creep. Mm-hmm. But... um you know, but I, I don't I don't want to say that about the actor. I don't know anything about the actor yeah. personally. So, you know, I don't want to blame him for the fact that he did a pretty good job playing this creep. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, this a contrast between the boys she goes to school with and the boys she lives in the town with is is an ongoing theme yes. in, in, in the show. Later on, who, sure. who's the other one, the next one that comes in? He's actually a famous actor well, now. We, we don't want to get too far into spoiler okay, right. territory here. Maybe as, as we continue, we'll okay. have a segment we get too far Roy's boyfriends. boyfriends. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but you know, if if we're and if we're going on to the next scenes, the one with Michelle, Michelle, I should say that right, Michelle comes Michelle. up at, at the you know where, where the dad comes in, the dad she has flirted with at the school, who of course mm-hmm. the running joke is, oh, you don't look old enough to have a sixteen year old daughter. So he says that to her. Everybody, every man she meets pretty much says that to her. But mm-hmm. she makes a wise decision, and that is she tells him no. He wants to take her out to dinner. He shows up at the end, yes. you know, presumably because he's got a, a business lunch, but he asks her out and she says no. She's yeah. had enough time. You know, the morning was a little tra- uh, traumatic for her. when She didn't get to dress yes. the way she wanted to. She didn't get to present herself the way she, she wanted to. She kind of kicked back into old Lorelei and flirted with the dad. And gave him the wrong impression. But when she, yeah. when he comes to her place of business, when she's in a suit and she's presenting, presenting now as a competent businesswoman, she's found herself again and realizes this is not, this is not a good idea. And she tells him no. I'm proud of her. Yeah, it was a good scene. 
Yeah, and 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 her her reasoning is is good. It's specifically that Rory has just started at this new mm-hmm. school. Basically, Lorelai doesn't want to make her reputation for her by dating this guy on day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We haven't really gone into Paris yet. Yeah. Um, so. Go for it. <laughs> I want to talk about Paris. Just something occurred to me as I, so I I took pretty extensive notes and I realized that Paris is not given a name until her like third appearance, I think, which just made me think Paris kind of gets the, um, the shark and jaws introduction. Mm. You see her a number of times before you know who she is. The first time you see her is when Lorelai and Rory are entering the school. She and her, her two little friends. I, I think it's not not too much of a spoiler to name them and I think ultimately it's gonna be clearer if we name them so Paris is the main girl who has some antagonism towards Rory her friends are named Madeline and Louise I don't think they actually get named in this episode but they will pretty shortly and so the first time we see them Lorelai and Rory are headed to the headmaster's office and you just see them pass these three girls and they all turn to look at Rory and Paris in particular has a troubled look on her face (laughs) Uh, And then the next time you see them, Rory has gone to, I believe, the registrar's office. Mm -hmm. And the the woman there is named Miss James. She takes Rory's big folder, which I I guess is supposed to be her file, and puts it over on a desk in front of this other girl who is apparently working in the office. And that girl picks the file up and passes his passes it out the window to Paris who is hiding behind the bushes underneath the window apparently she has made it so she has she has arranged for this girl to pass her Rory's file so she can check out the new competition she quickly reads through Rory's file and quickly notes that Rory wants to be a journalism student which one of her friends the blonde one quickly notes that means that she's likely to go out for the school newspaper which is called the Franklin and Paris is not happy about that at all she does pass the file back and then our next scene with Paris is Rory entering her first class at Chilton and she sits near Paris and at the end of the class Paris introduces herself and then basically tells Rory that she better watch out yeah like before any other interaction has happened you know Rory is basically totally blindsided by this moment Paris just says you better watch out you better not try to take my spot (laughs) right away and that's when we actually get Paris's name So right away, we kind of understand that Paris is going to be an obstacle, an antagonist, a source of drama at this school. And that ramps up to a million a couple of scenes later when Rory is trying to open her locker at school and it does not want to open. So refusing to be beaten by the sticky locker, Rory gives it a huge yank and ends up stumbling backwards right into Paris, who was carrying this beautifully made diorama, and it gets knocked to the floor and completely destroyed. Yeah. So Paris already hated Rory, and right out the gate, Rory actually gave her a reason to hate her. It's not Rory's fault, but I would be pretty upset if someone did that to me as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, irony upon ironies, it turns out that Rory is actually in the class that Paris made that diorama for. Paris gets called on to present her project, and Rory tries to explain that it's her fault, 
And then there's kind of this funny exchange with the teacher that I just noted because it's it's so strange. I I, I do think that, it, that this teacher actually does talk like a teacher. I, I actually do find her very believable, but she gets extremely tripped up over the fact that Rory's name in the call sheet is Lorelai Gilmore, but she refers to herself as Rory Gilmore. Mm-hmm. And it's like this woman has never heard of nicknames before. Yeah. But in in this teacher's favor, I think her name is Mrs. Hess. She does she does give Paris an extension pretty much immediately as soon as Rory explains what's going on. She tries to, but explain. that does nothing. She tries yes. to explain. She tries because to explain. Paris doesn't Paris want her to. Keeps telling her to shut up. Doesn't and want And Dana can't figure out. It's like she is so proud, and, and you have to respect Paris for that. She's you know things happen yeah. to people. She's not going to put the blame off on somebody else. She takes responsibility for it, even though it's not her her fault. She had the project yeah. ready to go, but she is not willing to explain that to the teacher, which is an interesting character setup, I think, for Paris. It also does drive me a little bit crazy that, like, literally all she had to do was bring the broken diorama yeah, in. Yeah, I know. It would be very clear. It's right outside the room, on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Like, you, you left it in the hall, which, first of all, is a tripping hazard. Yeah, I think neither <laughs> and, one of them cleaned and it secondly, up. Yeah, and, like, secondly, like, if you brought it in, it would be very clear how much work you put into it but you just gave up now that being said i do think it's a very realistic teenager moment that just sort of like well i'm slightly upset so nothing can be good again (laughs) it's a very like dramatic i i remember i remember that feeling Mm. i remember feeling like oh i wanted this thing to be exactly this way one thing went wrong so now the whole thing is ruined and i will not be calmed i will not be soothed and I think that's a little bit of what's happening yes, here. Yes, you definitely have a little bit of Paris in you, that's for sure. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I will add that in there. <laughs> this is also the class where, and I guess because Paris is being so obstinate about letting Rory explain, Rory decides to answer a couple questions that this teacher asks, and she gets in there about Martin Luther. She identifies Martin Luther, mm-hmm. and she answers the second question with the year. And there's a fleeting look on Paris's face. She is clearly annoyed, but she is also yes. uh, impressed. Because ap- yes. apparently she is, nobody is as good a student as Paris is. And yet mm-hmm. this new Gilmore girl may be as good a student as Paris is, smart as she is. And that's, she. Mm-hmm. so she's impressed by that. And it reminded me of the scene, that had, and I think we've already had it happen, where Lorelai goes in and yells at her mom in the beauty shop about setting up the DSL. And, you know, and they have an exchange, and I don't know if that's before or after this, but I have, a, have them in my notes pretty close together. And yeah. Emily, you know, says she's, then they go back and forth, and she accuses Lorelai of being stubborn about not wanting the DSL. And you and I both agree that this is one of those things where she could have backed down Lorelai, but she just had it at that point. She was, you know, it was just yeah. too much. And Lorelai says, "I'm not being, I'm not being stubborn as usual. I'm being me." And and yeah. the thing is, at that moment, Emily also who is annoyed with her daughter, but there is also a moment, a fleeting look on her face where she is impressed. She is proud of her yeah. daughter. And and it comes and goes and you gotta watch. <laughs> but so there's there's a, those two scenes, I think all three again come bring me back to the fact that this is a story about three women. And Emily, you know, she's mad, but she's impressed. Paris is mad, but she's impressed. Rory and Lorelai are formidable women. And yes. they're very different. Rory is academic. She's kind of rigid. She's a little bit of a control freak. Lorelai's a, Lorelai's a little bit of a control freak, too. But she's much more totally. flexible and kind of, 
you know, floozy. I mean, she, that's a bad word, but she's kind of a floozy. I mean, she comes to the headmaster's office in a floozy outfit. But, but they're both very formidable women, as is Emily. All three of these women yes. are extraordinarily formidable in very different ways. And I just, to yeah. me, these Paris scenes. Too. And Paris, too, yes. But for, for the three Gilmore girls, to these scenes, set that up for the series going forward. Yes. They are just really strong, competent, formidable women. Yeah, I will admit that oftentimes throughout the show, I find myself identifying more with Paris than with Rory. <laughs> Um, yep. <laughs> something about just being a super uptight nerd. But no, I, I agree. And I do I do think the Lorelai and her mother at the salon happens after this scene, but they are like right next to each mm-hmm. other. And the teacher is also impressed mm-hmm. with Rory, mm-hmm. which will also continue going Oh, yeah, forward. absolutely. And, you know, the headmaster was impressed with her, too. That's another thing. He hid yeah. it very well. He didn't want her to know he was impressed by her because he wanted to put the fear of God in her. But, but he was. Uh, everyone in this show does very good face acting there's a lot of like subtle moments yeah Yeah. i do just want to mention there's another very quick miss patty moment (laughs) she's having it's it's a it's a quick drive-by so right after the scene with rory and paris in the school we cut back to lorelei and she walks past miss patty's and miss patty is telling the girls that they have the new Harry Potter book oh, yeah? on their head. And if <laughs> if they let it fall off, Harry Potter will die and there will be no more books. It's great. It's a great scene. <laughs> it's great. Which and then you... and then of course she she had she had criticized she had seen Lorelai's outfit earlier and had criticized it and now Lorelai walks by wearing the good outfit and Miss Patty says, see now that's how you should have looked this, this morning. morning. And she's like Which of course Lorelai already knows. <laughs> So and then and then I guess the scene happens where she goes and picks her up from school and that to me well actually or there's something in between yeah before we get to that really fast the what she's actually so on as she passes Miss Patty she's on her way to Luke's oh and yeah I think this this is a short scene but it is important going forward she tells Luke about the man who hit on her mm-hmm. and he's very concerned about this yeah he does he does not like it and when she tells him that she turned the man down he says that that's a good thing and. Lorelai's a little bit thrown by this reaction and is like, what do you mean? And his response is something like, well, that man's old. He's a dad, so he's probably old. So that's not good. And Lorelai's like, I'm a mom. And he's like, yeah, but you were young when you had kids. It's good. You shouldn't date this man. <laughs> it's very clearly, it's, it's very clear to the audience that Luke is jealous, <laughs> but it's not super clear to Lorelai. I mean, she, she at oh, the I end of that scene, that she, yeah, it becomes at the clear. end of that scene, she has a little smile, but at first, she just she does not understand why he's having mm-hmm. this reaction. Uh, and then I do also just want to say, at the end of that scene, she tries to pay for her coffee, and he says, "Oh, you don't have to. I gave you decaf, which is pretty great." Yeah, <laughs> and she she only had one sip of it too. She didn't drink much. So he she never pays him. I mean. It, yeah, she does. They, they they never pay for anything in in his diner. But or if they do, they toss it on the ground. Yeah. So she does go to pick up Rory at the end of her school day, and this is one a scene yes. where I think I related, and maybe you did too. She comes to pick her up, and of course she parks right in front of the school, which you can't do anywhere, yeah. anytime, in any mm-hmm. universe. But she does. 
And she always does. And Rory comes out, drops her book, book bag, and Mom grabs her and hugs her. And then she starts to pull away, and Rory pulls her back. And she's, you know, they both have had a tough day, and they talk about this while they're mm-hmm. while they're embracing each other. They are literally leaning on each other, uh, literally and emotionally leaning on each other. It's like the two of them against the world. It's a, it's yes. just a great visual scene, and it sets up again. We're still setting up. It sets up the rest of the series. So, but in the car, go ahead and cut to the, the scene in the car where she tells her about what a Mary is, and it's like, of course, Laura. I would know what this was, you know? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know what a yes. Mary was. And and I think I'm supposed to be her age, maybe a little bit older. I didn't know what a Mary was. And do we ever know what high school Lorelai went to? Did she go to private school? You know, I don't know if they ever say, but I have always just assumed that she also went to Chilton until she dropped out. But I guess we don't really we know that know. for sure. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's another private school that isn't as hard to get into that she went to. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, we never actually find out much about what she was like as a student before she dropped out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure. But she does say that she had a Paris when she was in school. Mm-hmm. She had she a, a girl who was mean to her. And Rory asks what she did about it. And she replies, got pregnant and dropped out. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is certainly not an option for Rory. And should we explain what a Mary is? Oh, yes. A, a Mary means a virgin, basically. Good, They're referring to her as Virgin Mary. And I actually think, I do think that that's going to come up again. Because Tristan continues to be in the show and continues to call her Mary. So in this episode, it means, yeah, Virgin Mary, goody, goody, goody two shoes. Rory asks Lorelai what they would have called her if she, if they thought she was a slut. And Lorelai says, well, they might have added a Magdalene (laughs) to the end. So Mary can be a multi-purpose insult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it it can be prude shaming or slut shaming, Mm -hmm. depending on how you use it. Because that's what we do with women. That's that's another point of this show throughout the series and especially in the moment and with this episode is that women are, are often the victim of slut shaming or pr- whatever we do it's not good enough it's it's always wrong and these two women these three women actually set out pretty much to prove that that is not right that is not correct that women you know that these are strong characters and they do not fit into stereotypes at all and we re- and reject yeah. those ki- that kind of name calling you know so although they do also occasionally engage in it a little oh themselves. they do of course but nobody's yeah. perfect <laughs> i'm sure paris paris gets called some names i think but you were you were talking about luke in the scene earlier where, where she's you know she kind of yes you don't, i think she realizes it sooner than, than you think she did that he was you know he's he's interested i think in she her. i think she realizes it by the end okay. i just think when he first says it she doesn't understand what's happening and then by the end she does kind of realize it okay and then actually later on the last thing that happens in the episode is Lorelai and Rory walk by the diner and Lorelai asks Rory if uh, she thinks that Luke is cute and Rory's response oh. isn't exactly horror. Oh, it's but she's horrified. Yeah, she, yeah, she's like she's she says if you date him, you'll break up and we'll never be able to eat, eat there again. again. Yes, and there goes my coffee. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. And you know it's so funny too because well, first of all, is that the scene? That's before. That's early in the last scene because then Lane enters the scene too at some point. Is these two are these two different scenes? So Lane Lane is in the scene at the beginning. Lane okay. has actually already left okay, so that when scene, that exchange happens. To me, structurally, this is an important scene because it's how 
if I if I'm remembering correctly, it's how they tend to end most episodes with the two of them and maybe one or two other townspeople coming together in the town at the end because the town is their family. And mm-hmm. and Lane is certainly a part of their family. And her mom calls her or something, or it's time to get home and she has to take her her, yeah. her, her hoodie off or her jacket off. And yes. yeah. It's also a callback to the first scene of the episode, because the first scene starts with Lorelai and Rory together, and then Lane enters, and then the last scene it's Lorelai, Rory, and Lane, and then Lane exits, mm-hmm. and it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of an, an echo of the first scene. But yeah, at the beginning of that scene is the three of them walking and eating pizza and more jokes about how Lane's mother does not allow her to eat junk food. Although I will say I'm a little I'm again on Mrs. Kim's side here. Uh, I am a frequent eater of tofu. As you know, I'm a vegetarian. I eat a lot of tofu. And my response to Lane saying that Mrs. Kim has fi- has found a place to buy tofu in bulk was, oh, I wonder if that really exists. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing about Lane that I love about Lane, actually, her character, is that she's able to straddle the two worlds so efficiently mm-hmm. and without missing a beat. She just, yes. she, she she totally accepts our mama. She has no, absolutely no anger about her mother. Loves her mother, accepts who she is, accepts the whole Korean world, universe, and yet is such an American girl that you expect to hear Tom Petty singing in the background. And actually, I think you do at one <laughs> yeah. point. But but she's, she's such an American girl, and she fits in so well into the town and with the Gilmore Girls. She straddles all these worlds so easily. I just find her the most soothing character in the show, the most stable character. She's yes. just, it's yeah. fascinating to me how easily she does that, and so delightfully. She's a delightful character. Yeah. She's happy for the most part. It's just, I just love her character. Yeah, I love Lane. Lane is great. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that this show introduces Rory as a girl who has female friends. Because I do feel like there is a version of this show without Lane that is immeasurably worse. Oh, yeah. Both because Lane is a great character and because Lane is honestly one of the things that makes Rory more relatable to me. Mm-hmm. You know, just having that kind of a, a best friend who you're so comfortable with that you're constantly together and you're so aware of the other person's family that you sort of know how to navigate them. Yes. You spend um, time with the other person's yeah. family. So, because that yes. was my high school experience. I did have a friend that I, whose family I loved being with. They were just so, yeah. this was Julie, and her family was just yeah. so, they seemed very happy and lively. They were funny. My family was much more serious. There was a lot of fighting with my parents. And, and so you always see in, in your girlfriend's families, I think, what you don't have, what you lack. And, of course, there was a lot yeah. of stuff going on in Julie's family that I never saw and didn't know about until yeah. years later. But, yeah, when you fit in with the family, it's very, it's a very common, I think, storyline. And it's true. Yeah. Well, you had an experience like that right. with Marguerite and, and her family. You, you went to stuff with her yeah. family all the time. You had dinner with them. They lived close to school, so sometimes yeah, sure. you stayed overnight. Yeah, so it's 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 yeah. a good thing to have. Girlfriends are good to have. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it, I, it wasn't like a direct parallel here because you weren't like banning me from eating pizza or no. anything. But yeah, Mar- Mar- <laughs> Marguerite did live much closer to school than I did. And, you know, if, I, if we wanted to do anything near school, it made a lot more sense for me to stay overnight at her place 
place. And so, yeah, I did end up spending a lot of time with her family. And those are good memories. Yeah, <laughs> that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. Any closing any closing thoughts? Um, well, so just one final note. So the episode ends with Lane peeling off, and then it's just Lorelai and Rory, and they discuss Luke, and Rory is very against Lorelai dating Luke. And then I just think visually it's kind of important what happens next. They had paused briefly outside the diner and then they decide to walk away. They don't go in. And Luke comes outside and kind of watches them as they walk away. And it's it's not exactly a sad moment, but it is definitely a wistful moment. I, I got the impression that he was expecting them to come inside. Now see, I got a completely different impression from that scene. That, although, But I think you're right. My, my impression was that he didn't really see them. He was just kind of coming out to look at the town and then he goes in and closes the door and, cl- and closes up the shop, turns the sign around and says it's closed. But you could be absolutely right. I think it's it's open to interpretation. Yeah. But I think that your interpretation is equal is very valid. I mean, he could have, it could have been wistful. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure that he saw them. It was more just definitely the feel that I got from him standing in his doorway was just wistfulness. Yeah. And I think that, I think, I guess I think that that's important for his character because that's a side of him that you don't always see. Yeah. Especially up until now, we've only seen grumpy food Nazi yes. Luke. Maybe that's a flippant use of the term. And, and if, same with my interpretation that if it's, if it's him just kind of looking out at the town and having a, a sigh of, I don't know, joy, acceptance, you know, he feels yeah. a part of the town. That's not something we ever see from him either. He is always mad. Yes. <laughs> he just, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a curmudgeon. Luke is a curmudgeon. Yeah. And you you did mention last time that you were wondering how he came to own the diner, which we will get there and yeah. it hasn't been answered yet. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this moment is kind of, it's just sort of filling in at least a hint of the softer side of Luke. Yeah. And he does have a softer side. And he's a great character. I, I love yes, Luke. Yes, he is. He's a, he's a wonderful character. He's great. He's great. I can't remember if I said this last time maybe i'll end up saying it every episode but my one of my biggest reactions this time around is i can tell that i'm in my 30s because luke is undeniably the hottest man on this show oh isn't he though he absolutely (laughs) is and he's as you were what you were saying before is that he's you know he is a curmudgeon he's a definite there are a lot of characters in the show that are counterbalancing other characters he counterbalances everybody i mean yeah (laughs) nobody is is as much of a curmudgeon as luke is Except maybe yes. Richard, but he's but he's <laughs> yeah. a he's an intellectual curmudgeon. But uh, mm-hmm. and then, and Richard is uh, Lorelai's father, so that just to throw yes. that in in case anybody has actually not seen the show yet. But and he he wasn't in this episode. And he wasn't in this episode. Yeah, Edward Herman. But he's a counterbalance, Lucas, to everybody. He's just he's yes. like a foil to everybody. He you know anytime anybody comes into into his cafe, he has something curmudgeonly to say to them. Funny, funny curmudgeonly. <laughs> Yes, and if it's Lorelai, it's usually a comment on how unhealthy her lifestyle yeah, always. is. always. At least in the first season. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I think that's pretty much yeah. it for my final thoughts. My... Did you have anything no, else? No, I think it's, you know, we're, we're moving along. Uh, we've got a lot of, all the, almost all the characters set up at this point. We've seen some themes. Yeah. We've already seen a lot of the themes mm-hmm. with the three women, with how the two younger Gilmore girls, Lorelai and Rory, support each other. And, you know, kind of the us against the world. It's a great show. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm enjoying watching it again. It is great. Yeah, my my partner came in while I was doing my rewatch, and I could just tell that he was instantly hooked. Oh, he's it is. not a guy who loves. Yeah, he he does he doesn't like the all the teen shows that I love to rewatch, mm-hmm. but the humor of this show pulled him in immediately. Well, it's not a teen show. That's that's the thing. Is it hits it hits. My mother would have enjoyed this show because she would have you know totally. she would have related to Richard and Emily and the Sally Struthers character who's also older. So yeah, there's a lot. Of in, there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of characters in this show at different ages and at different points in life, and all of those perspectives are represented at some point. Mrs. Kim is a wonderful character. She's a stereotype, but she is so she breaks that stereotype again and again. Yeah. She is so much more than her stereotype, uh, and even though you, she's aggravating, you love her. I mean, it's it, yeah. There are none of these and characters like, that aren't lovable. She is in some ways treated like a first generation Korean immigrant stereotype, but she's also treated as just a very smart businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Like part of her character is she's a smart businesswoman, yes. and she's just she's smart, she's exacting, and she won't let people take advantage of her. Just like Lorelai, she and Lorelai yep. have that in common, and yet they don't see it. Yep, <laughs> they don't see it, but they have a lot in common. So, uh, especially since yeah. we never see Mrs. Kim's husband, we said that last ep- last time. <laughs> yes. So we don't know if she's a single mom or not. I mean, you know, we don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, good good episode, good show. All right. I've been Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, Tessa Dare. That's T-E-S-S-A-D-A-I-R.com. And I'm Beth. You can follow my weekly posts on my Facebook writer page, which is Beth Von Baron Writer. That's B-E-T-H-Z as in Victor, O-N, B as in boy, E-H-R-E-N, Writer on Facebook and yeah I have to spell my name all the time it's a hard one (laughs) (laughs) and this is where you lead and we will see you next week bye